Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the hugely popular Cummings Pepperdine Crypto Questions. Um, today, we are going to be talking about crypto in Malta. And to give us all the information about everything you need to know about the Maltese regime for crypto, I'm delighted to introduce you to Annabelle Mifsud of FexServe. Annabelle, thank you very much for joining the Cummings Pepperdine hugely popular crypto questions. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So, Annabelle, we're going to be talking about Malta today. Um, there are a large number of jurisdictions now which are offering uh, solutions and services for the crypto markets as a whole. And when I say crypto, I please consider that as meaning blockchain, yeah. DLT and so on as well. Can you tell me a bit about Malta, first of all, and the Maltese history with crypto? Let's set the scene for all our listeners. Okay, um, so Malta, of course, is a, a new jurisdiction. Um, uh, apart from uh, Ireland, um, we're the only um, English-speaking, you know, jurisdiction um, having English as one of our official languages. Yeah. Um, when it comes to funds, of course, Malta has always, let's say, been a great jurisdiction for startups, and maybe um, that's why uh, this was kind of the the right. Uh, let's say, new environment, um, you know, with a small uh, jurisdiction such as Malta to go into. So um, when it comes to crypto, uh, back in 2017, uh, I remember, you know, we approached the authority back then to, to you know, with, with a project that a client, a Swiss client came to us with. At the time, it wasn't something they could entertain, but they were working on it. Um, and months later, actually in February 2018, uh, Malta allowed uh, professional investor funds to invest in, in cryptocurrencies, in digital assets, as you said earlier. Yeah, do you know what I find quite interesting is because, you know, Switzerland has Crypto Valley and it's, you know, you, you could regard Switzerland as having been a bit yeah. ahead of the game and everything, but it, so, but it was still a Swiss that came to Malta. Yes, and actually, yeah. um, focusing actually on the Swiss, uh, just to maybe put everyone in the picture, um, it, the main markets in general for funds, traditionally uh, for Malta, used to be Swiss and British managers um, uh, for various reasons. Yes, uh, however, yeah, lots of, yeah, not particularly the British and hedge funds, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, also because Malta services a number of offshore funds as well. So even from a fund perspective, you know, being yeah. um, Cayman, for example, a very Do popular you know, jurisdiction. Frankly, um, from my point of view, I just like the fact that you can get to Malta in just a few hours and it's hot and it's not rainy. That's, yeah. that's, my, that's my English take on it. <laughs> yes, um, uh, of course. Oh, ship me over. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, always welcome, Claire. Um, uh, but, <laughs> but yes, what we've seen is that maybe Malta was, you know, one of the new of the first movers. Even though, as you said, you know, at that time many many um, events were being organized in Switzerland. Um, attended many of those, but Malta was the first one that actually came out with written specific rules for these kind of funds, which I believe, apart from, um, let's say. A, a like a code of conduct for 
um, for such funds in Gibraltar, there's still nothing in any of the other jurisdictions. Yeah, um, because yeah, Gibraltar was quite speedy as well, wasn't it? Gibraltar have very much tried to sort of have been, have been building a sort of a, a, a crypto arena, a crypto solution. But anyway, yeah, back to Malta. Yeah. Yeah, so at the time um, uh, we were ready. So in February 2018, we, we were ready with the application because we had worked, you know, it was quite a bet, but we had worked on application documents with, with this client. And the first fund was licensed in August in the same year. So that was a huge, a huge, um, you know, success. And following that, um, many others followed suit. I'd like to go into the Professional Investor Fund for a, for a second, Claire, because um, again, being a very uh, startup focused environment, especially back in 2018, you know, managers coming to us with a very small AUM to launch, Malta and the PIF was, uh, you know, the ideal, um, let's say, setup for such funds. And I'll tell you why. Um, yeah. Malta can, of course, set up AFES, can, of course, set up USITs, um, which might not be really relevant here, but um, for example, in an AFE, you have, you know, uh, a number of challenges, even appointing certain service providers that back then the market could not entertain. And we can go that in, into that later on as well. Um, but the PIF is still a regulated structure, which allows you to set up a PIF um, as long as you're below the 100 million, which most of the time is the scenario yes. in such funds. Yes. Um, yeah. You can always convert later. Again, still regulated, but you have much more flexibility in terms of service providers. For example, um, speaking about depositories, you don't have to have a depository as we know it, the traditional depository, but it requires proper safekeeping. Um, service providers, again, banks, um, exchanges, etc. They don't have to be in Malta. So um, pretty much you can continue operating with the people, you know, of course, you do not have the European passport. So you cannot just mark it through a notification process in this yeah, case. Yeah, and of course, yeah, um, Malta within the EU. Yeah. Malta's within the EU. So if it's yeah. a, an A for AU sits, you have that. But exactly. Um, uh -huh. But be it a professional investor fund, which is a local product, then you depend on private placement. We're speaking about, um, you know, the Swiss clients, Swiss investors. Of course, it's not the ideal example because it's not in you. But of course, you have to look at the distribution rules within the specific country. Having said that, um, one needs to keep in mind that most of these managers were looking to set up to onboard investors, either that they know already or very close friends. So you know, the, the marketing aspect for it was not really relevant at that point in time because what they were after is a track record at that point. Yeah, so that's sort of very, record. yeah, very much sort of the early stage people, you know, for, sort of friends and family track record, concentrate on that and then go wider when you've got it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, of course, since then we've moved um, uh, a lot. So even from an industry perspective, Claire, of course, we've seen um, many challenges uh, back in 2018. Not all service providers were happy to entertain, be it auditors, be it insurance providers, be it, um, again, um, even investors were not, you know, um, were not all, always open. Um, but since then, um, you know, we've seen a, a whole shift um, operationally uh, as well. A lot, it was, a lot has happened in sort of four and a half, almost five years, hasn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, um, operationally, it's it's still not so easy. So onboarding from a fund admin perspective, onboarding a cryptocurrency fund is more challenging. And the simple the, the, the simple reason is that not all exchanges, brokers, etc., are equipped to provide the same level of reporting that we're used to in the traditional space, let's say. Um, even auditors, let's, not everyone um, used to be. Of course, there was a huge learning curve for everyone. So, of course, since 2018, um, in the beginning, we had many challenges, be it auditors, um, uh, be it uh, service providers, the, the options that were available, um, banks. Um, again, even operationally, it's it's been a huge challenge to onboard. Um, such funds because, of course, not all brokers and not all exchanges are equipped to provide the same level of reporting um, that we're used to uh, in the traditional space. So um, in 2018, when we had the first funds, of course, we faced many challenges, um, including service providers that were available to work with such funds um, and then other operational issues, even from a fund admin perspective. Uh, for example, it's it's different, you know, the the, the reporting that, you, that used to be available um, yeah. from exchanges and brokers um, wow. was completely different that, than that that we were used to um, in the traditional space. Um, that has changed. It's it's getting much better. So four years later, it's much easier. However, also there are still other challenges. For example, auditors not always understanding um, how trades are done. I'll give you a simple example. Yeah, um, we had, yeah. We had a, a recent discussion with one of the auditors, you know, um, questioning how um, to audit realized and unrealized gains. You have trades which settle in Bitcoin. Do you then consider that as settled or not? So we, we've been having these, these discussions. Insurance, not all insurance providers were ready to provide PI insurance for such funds. Um, banks as well. Um, but we've seen we've seen a shift there. So uh, many, many, let's say, service providers are now more um, ready to service such funds. They know more, of course. So um, that's been very, very helpful. When it comes to other changes in these funds, we've seen more managers, more mature teams, let's say, coming to us now vis-a-vis -vis 2018, you know. Um, yeah, it's, you know, four and a half five years is a is you know they say a week's long time in politics well four and a half five years <laughs> is a very very long time in crypto it's yeah it's exactly. a different it's a different industry almost isn't it yeah exactly so we, we're seeing more um teams you know with mixed backgrounds the traditional side and the technical side size of funds that are coming to us you know back then as i said mostly startups now we have funds going up i mean approaching half a billion um, uh, even traditional managers looking into diversifying and adding crypto to their portfolio. Yes, it, yeah, I think that's yeah. A lot of them have just they've allocated a little bit, seen how it's gone, and it's just making sense now to, um, you know, to, to to increase that diversification. You know, you know, provided it is always within the terms of the offering memorandum and so on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And a well-drafted offering memorandum will allow an, an element of flexibility. Exactly. Even even pension schemes, we've, we've had questions, you know, we haven't seen it done, but we had questions, you know, if you're a member um, and you have, I don't know, a 50 million pot uh, as, as a pension, you know, why not invest one million in crypto when you're hearing everyone and all the gains they were um, realizing in, in the environment? 
Um, investors, as I said, even fund of funds, for example, We've, we're seeing a lot of fund of funds exploring crypto. Um, and uh, maybe because, you know, a fund is uh, an environment they know uh, with all the governance that goes into it. So they yes. might be more comfortable going into crypto um, through that medium, let's say. And um, from an operational perspective, we're seeing more the use of independent custodians, um, regulated custodians. So it's it's I think it's a step by step. Even this is might be driven from investors as well. Certain expectations from from their own their own investors. We're seeing that a lot. Yeah, and I think also you know if you are an investor, then if you go into a fund, it gives you that exposure. But it gives you that exposure through a regulated fund manager because of course if you're managing a fund you have to be regulated regardless of what the underlying asset within the fund is uh-huh that's that's yeah. very true and in fact there was a time um for for example be it um i was speaking about switzerland for the last two years many managers were opting to uh, manage crypto through AMCs, actively managed certificates, which which still there's room for them, um, definitely. You know, the, the, the initial AUM that you need from an investor is much lower. Um, maybe it's quicker to launch. Uh, my impression is, is that. But um, what we've seen is that investors maybe um, we're much more comfortable with a fund. So we're seeing managers shifting that operation into a regulated fund. Likewise, because their banks also are not comfortable with an AMC or rather they might not know it as much as a fund. So again, a fund is easier from a manager perspective um, to just go for it. You know, everyone knows it. It's just a fund with a different underlying at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So tell me, if we could, if I could just summarise, we've looked at sort of the, the beginning of the crypto and the fund regime in Malta going back to 2018. We've looked at the type of funds available and the benefit of a regulated fund, which 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 Malta offers. Um, we've looked at how the size of funds and the types of investors and service providers have 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 sort of really come on and. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, responded to market demand and also the regulator. The, the, the way, we've looked also at how the regulators have now said, um, you know, there are some things that do need specific registration in particular, sort of the, you know, the custody, the, you know, um, exchange providers and wallet providers. If we now look ahead, what do you think we can expect to see over the next 6, 12, 18 months in Malta in relation to... To, to crypto as a whole, as well as, you know, the crypto funds industry within Malta? Mm -hmm. um, uh, yes. Uh, first of all, it's good to mention that Malta was always responsive to the industry. Um, yes, very much so. Yeah. So, yeah. so when, when uh, you know, we had initially discussed crypto funds with the authority, that happened uh, immediately. And I must say that Malta did not only go into funds. So back then we had the launch of the Virtual Financial Assets Act as well, which is pretty much what Mika aims to do now. Um, so Malta was quite proactive there. Um, eventually, you know, we had managers looking at accepting subscriptions. Let's call them subscriptions in kind, uh, which is essentially subscriptions in Bitcoin, Ether. Again, we uh, whilst realizing the challenges, Claire, because it's still quite challenging um, yes. from an AML perspective, we reached out to the authority and they allowed funds to do that. 
of course, with certain limitations, because it's uh, giving you an example. It's one thing if the Bitcoin I am accepting into the fund is coming from a wallet uh, with one of the biggest exchanges. We can see an initial fiat deposit which was traded in Bitcoin and that Bitcoin transferred into the fund vis-a-vis um, a wallet which had a lot of trading in and out in certain currencies, you know, it's, there's there's limitations. Yeah, um, but I think it's absolutely correct that AML should be a challenge because the, how 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 else is crime tackled other than through effective AML? And you know, crypto, you know, does have the you know does provide a vehicle that other types of more traditional and static investments don't provide. So it's right that there's a challenge. Exactly. Um, yeah, and it's also encouraging that there that there are providers out there who meet that challenge. Exactly. So it's 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 it was a challenge to you know arrive at a at a process that will satisfy all the obligations, but we got there as well. Um, eventually, we went back to the authority saying, "Listen, um, these funds have grown. Uh, we need to allow AFES now to invest because ultimately the AFM directive never regulated the fund or any assets that could be managed by yeah, the it's manager." Yeah, fund manager directive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it regulates, um, the, you know, it regulates the offering memorandum, but that's produced by the fund manager and it regulates the manager. But yeah, the AFES is regulated in its own jurisdiction. Yeah, exactly. So if we went all. back. I went back and eventually they allowed apes um, to to invest in such assets as well. Again, it was a bit of a challenge, you know, uh, finding a depository that would understand crypto, how to treat crypto, etc. But we've overcome that challenge as well successfully. So we're happy to, to have got there with the authority. Again, we're now currently working on an NFT fund, which is another challenge in itself um, going forward. But we got there as well, and I'm not aware of any other jurisdiction that was open to it. Um, in the near future, uh, what what I would hope also, because it's also exciting for me from a professional perspective, yeah. is um, looking more, we've been reading about it, um, uh, but more on-chain funds because, you know, the technology is there. Um, so having yes. self, yeah. let's call them self-regulated funds in a way, because all the processes would be um, through contractual arrangements, smart contracts, and it could be done to, to it could be easily done, of course, um, solving certain challenges as well from a regulatory perspective. In fact, in this respect, um, we we have been working with MAMA, which is a Swiss association. Oh, yes. Yeah. And uh, and and um, we introduced them to the authority to work on, uh, let's say, such project in in a sandbox environment because the MFSA um, allows that. So uh, I think when it comes to Malta, Malta was always the first mover and I expect Malta to remain um, the first mover, of course, with the due care in place, um, because it's 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 a new environment for everyone, I would say. But even with Mika coming in, I think uh, as a small jurisdiction where it's easier to get things done, um, I would believe Malta can gain a lot from that, um, even facilitating what we already had when it comes to rules, because as I said, we already had the VFA. So essentially, um, Speaking about the next couple of months, I hope um, Malta continues to, let's say, uh, work with the industry to to provide the right environment for such funds to flourish. Yes, yes, I I I I, I think that that is in a, a, a factually um, 
sort of a perky, chirpy and uplifting view to the future. And as I say, you know, based on fact. So, yes, like you, I see no reason why there isn't, you know, there's not going to be sort of further development and the thriving of crypto as a whole. And, you know, as you, know, as you were specifically saying, in Malta for the reasons you've given. Yeah. So, so Annabelle, <laughs> thank you very much indeed for your time. Welcome. Um, if uh, if I could just say to all of those who, who are listening to us, if you have any questions, please do get in touch um, via the Cummings Pepperdine website, cummingspepperdine.com. And any questions for Annabelle at FexServe, I will send straight on to her, put you in touch with each other so that she can answer you directly. Annabelle, thank, thank you, you very Claire. much for joining me. Goodbye. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.